With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Lombardi line, hour number two on a Wednesday. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. Time to talk a little baseball, and we have one game underway bright and early for your Wednesday morning. The White Sox at the Pirates. First pitch was about 25 minutes ago. Between Dylan Cease and Chase DeYoung, Chicago went off as a minus 165 favorite with a total of eight and a half. Right now, bottom of the first inning at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Still no score on the board. And Wes, we've got another game that'll be starting about five minutes from now in Philadelphia. The Nationals at the Phillies. And this is Eric Fetty taking on Vince Velasquez. A little bit of a flip of favorites here. Now it's kind of settled in, hovering around Pickham. At BetMGM, it's minus 110 either way with a total of nine. Yeah, and I'll get to that momentarily. We are through now the first inning in Pittsburgh. No score. White Sox had a threat with two on in the first. Did not get him home. And as we're going to break, I'm watching this telecast, the Pittsburgh telecast here. And both pitchers have been checked. That's kind of the new way of doing things. Both pitchers, Chase DeYoung, was being checked before they went to a commercial break. And now Dylan C's uh, being checked here in the bottom of the first in terms of for the sticky stuff. And saw a lot of incidents with that last night. And we can get to that later if time permits. But the, as you mentioned, the next game going off here in a couple minutes, it's Eric Fetty against Vinny Velasquez here. And both guys have kind of been what they are. They're, they're about maybe close to three quarters of a 
run higher on the XFIP than they are on the ERA. So you've seen the total actually go up from eight and a half to nine last night. Philadelphia taking a little bit of the money. Of course, there were fireworks. That was kind of the main topic last night in baseball with uh, Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi. Uh, Accusing ex- him of substance abuse. Exchanging words, yes, uh, between Mad Max and, uh, and, and G-Roddy, which would be a pretty tough scrap. You would certainly give the edge to Scherzer, though, the reach advantage. Uh, he, he's a crazy <laughs> man. He's six foot three against 5'10", Joe Girardi. But Joe Girardi. We could have a double bill. Girardi and Scherzer, you know, followed by uh, DeChambeau and Ken Brooks Kepka, yes, uh, he is, uh, and and they got into it last night. So uh, they got it was the uh, under prevailed eventually under six and a half, and the Washington Nationals get the win three to two. Did not bet this game uh, this morning. I really couldn't find an edge on either side. Always the concern with Vinny Velasquez is the walks because they can kind of reach a, a peak at certain points, but he's done a better job of limiting those lately. Uh, Cardinals at the Tigers. This one's going to start pretty soon as well. 10-10 Pacific time, 1-10 p.m. Eastern. John Gant versus Matt Manning in the Motor City. Your buddy John Gant, Wes, mm-hmm. and he's a road favorite here in Detroit. Minus 120 on the money line and another nine for your total. Yeah, and uh, Matt Manning made his MLB debut back on June 17th. Uh, did take the loss, went five innings, allowed two runs, struck out three. Matt Manning was the 2016 Tigers' first-round pick, actually, I believe, uh, second overall in the draft, if I recall, out of Sheldon High School in Sacramento. But if I was looking at this, look, do I go back to the John Gant regression monster yet again? And, you know, you look when we talk about the XFIP, 536 on the XFIP, 350 on the ERA. Gant has been pulling this Houdini act a little bit. Now, market pretty lukewarm. It's pretty much stayed the same as it has overnight. St. Louis was minus 115. They did get beaten Detroit last night. Because you got to go with Matt Manning only making his second major league start and his first home start actually in Detroit. So did not get involved in this game. Would lean to Detroit, though, in this spot, even going with the young kid Manning, because I just think that you're looking at this regression with John Gant. I think that there's so much more room to go until he really kind of gets to where you know, the kind of pitcher he's really been, where the numbers kind of meet the performance here a little bit. So small lean to Detroit, but... The questions about Manning, first home start, there's probably going to be some jitters here, so that keeps me out of this one. Well, I think it's also tough to back the Tigers day in and day out. Of course, they've been a disappointing team this season, but, you know, it's not just the regression of John Gant and fading John Gant, Wes. It's really the entire Cardinals organization. Uh, It was Mark Borchard on our program maybe about a month ago said uh, the Cardinals are maybe the luckiest team in baseball as far as outperforming their numbers, and Mm -hmm. not long after he said that, we started to see them lose a lot of games in a row so not just fading Gant here but possibly a fade of the Cardinals as well and we have seen the money go towards Detroit the Cardinals opened up as about a minus 125 favorite and some spots as low as minus 118 now on the road favored St. Louis Cardinals this is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Wednesday and shifting over from the Diamonds to the hardwood it's time to bring in VEASAN's senior 
senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel. You can find him on Twitter at MeJVT and also check out his Hardwood Handicappers podcast up at vcin.com slash podcast. And John, before we get into the basketball, there's a real pressing question that Wes Reynolds and I want to know the answer to. You've had this Twitter poll about which movie are you going to watch first, a movie that you've never seen before, and that is between Naked Gun, Major League, Shawshank Redemption, and Caddyshack. Now, which movie you're going to watch? I make Shawshank about a minus 135 favorite. I think Caddyshack's probably about minus 105, and Naked Gun and Major League very much in the role of the underdog. Who is the flick that you have ended up picking? Uh, so the the listeners, the viewers of V Sin have spoken. Forty six percent of the one thousand three hundred ninety two votes tell me that I will be watching Shawshank Redemption this weekend, Brady. Well, I think time. I think that's a very good recommendation. And you know, I know I know about what age you are, but if you haven't seen these movies, I'm you're you're like a teenager. And after you watch, I, I gotta say, you need to pull a double header, John. After Shawshank, you gotta watch Caddyshack. So the problem is, so one, I'm 30. Um, I'm not so much a teenager anymore. Uh, but I'm also, as much as I love to play my millennial role, where you know I make the joke that I won't watch a movie that came out before I was born. Um, I'm also just not really a big movie guy. Yeah. You know, like it takes a lot to get me invested for like, for like to sit down for like two and a half hours and and watch the whole thing. Now, watching five episodes of a show in one sitting, sure, I'm totally down. But there's just something mentally about sitting down for a movie, boys. I just I can't do it. I can't get through it. I know. I, I'm with you. And if you haven't seen The Godfather either, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, you better you better add that to the list. Uh, I have let's... not seen Godfather 2. I've seen Godfather 1. Also, Scarface. I missed me with that. That movie kind of sucked. Yeah, I'm not a big Scarface fan. All right, let's get to the good stuff here. Wes and I both talked about how crazy that game was, the ending of the game, the, the 33 minutes or the final two minutes, whichever way you want to look at it. Give us your thoughts on this crazy finish, game two between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, so I, I think I tend to look at, at the positives of a lot of stuff. Guys said, you know, we can focus on Paul George, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, choking near the end of that game. Despite the fact that I think you should give credit for that uh, really nifty finish that he had to give them that one-point lead that they ultimately blew. But I, I kind of wanted to focus on Monty Williams. You know, that, I've been asked about this ending a couple of times now over the last 12 hours or so. And, and my focus is on Monty Williams and the way he has this team coached up. You know, whether it is in the waning seconds, uh, you know, is going on the team that we want the best shot, not the shot from the best player. Devin Booker gets the ball. He gets double. He kicks it to Jake. He kicks it to Mikhail Bridges. He's got an open three from the corner. And ultimately, he misses, and it goes out of bounds. But it's a wide-open look for the game to potentially be over there. They don't hit it. There's seven-tenths of a second left to go. He gets a free timeout. So what does he do? He draws up a brilliant play where DeAndre is going to finish at the hoop. He doesn't have enough time to get a shot off. And it was a brilliant design, putting an eight and away from the bat of the bucket, getting Booker to screen for him on that play, getting Zubac off of him to the point where he can finish and catch that ball. I just thought Monty Williams, I, he was my coach of the year, and I think those last two plays are indicative of just how good a coach he is, man. He has done a brilliant job with this team, and it's a reason why they're two games away. Without Chris Paul, by the way, from the NBA Finals, I was thoroughly impressed with Monty Williams last night. John, I know you've been a day one Clippers guy here in the West, and he, they're the team I thought were going to make it out of the West, obviously, before the Kawhi injury. But really, when you look at the matchup here, there's like one matchup that I just think 
favors Phoenix so much and the Clippers have no answer for and that's a guy you just mentioned DeAndre Ayton it's mm-hmm. kind of Ty Lue is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't the small lineup has been the most successful for him throughout the playoffs after game two against Dallas he went to that small lineup and the Clippers I think were a lot better basically most games game in and game out but it's like you have to kind of play these big guys because you can't just go small and let DeAndre Ayton just do what he does. But we know Zubach gets lost in the pick and roll. We know DeMarcus Cousins can give you a little bit of punch offensively against the second unit like he did in game one when Sarich came in the game for Phoenix. But when he's out there against Ayton, his mobility or lack thereof is really exposed here. So what you're seeing now with the 2-0 lead, the national media refrain is like, okay, this series is over. Do you share that same sentiment? No, you know, I'm, I'm always, you, Wes, I think you know me at this point, right? I'm always, if, if there's, even if they're down 3 nothing, there's still a chance, right? So the series is never over until it's actually over. But I would say to your point, right, like, so you've, you've laid out all the points correctly that they can't stop the under eight. So why would you, right? So let's just go small. Like, let's do this thing then, right? Let the, if you're going to lose a series and DeAndre Ayton averages 30 and 15, like, so be it. Because I'd rather go small and exploit him on the defensive end time and time again, like we did to these other teams that we just did it to, as opposed to trying to match it. You mentioned Zubac. Zubac is a fine player, but they are now winless in the games in which he has played over 18 minutes. I think it's like 0-5 now in those games. It's just not working out with Zubac playing massive minutes in the postseason. DeMarcus Cousins is fine, but he's going to rack up four thousand in three minutes, and he's just not going to be out there for you. So at the end of the day, right, right, use the cliche, pick your poison. Let's see if DeAndre Ayton can beat me if it's just him. And I'd rather go in that direction. Now, I will say, I think one of the underrated aspects of the first two games that has not been touched on a lot, which I'm very surprised, Marcus Morris is injured. He only played 21 minutes in game one. He only played 25 minutes in game two. You didn't see him in the fourth quarter at all. And he is their small ball center. And I think that's why we have seen more of Marcus Morris. I think we finally saw Luke Kennard, who I think we're going to see more of now as we go into game three, and maybe have that option where, okay, Batum can be my five. Let's put Kennard in the lineup a little bit more and see what happens. But I think if if I am the Clippers, my path to victory here. Yes, you're going back home. Yes, there's a really good chance that Chris Paul comes back, but we're going small, and we're going to go even smaller, and we're going to have Luke Kennard, and we're going to add to the shooting, and hopefully Paul George. Because think about last night, guys. They didn't have an answer for DeAndre Ayton. Paul George hits only one three-pointer, and it's in the fourth quarter. And the air you are with a one-point lead with seven-tenths of a second left to go, you know, they can still win a couple of games in the series and make this tighter than the credit that they are given. But I think it, it goes back to Ty Lue committing back again to that small ball lineup. And it is so weird how he likes to do this, right? For the first two games of each series, he tried to fit Zubac in. It's round peg, square hole, like, you know, whatever it is. Like, it's just not working. So go back to the small ball. And if you're going to get beat, get beat that way. And I think that's the way you're going to see them play this from now on. John, have you formulated any sort of opinion or done a handicap on game three that will take place in Los Angeles? I believe that's on Thursday. Wes and I were talking about this in the program earlier. You know, a lot of times we see a certain game and we can kind of figure out how a team might uh, be set up for that next contest. And But that finish was so weird in Phoenix. You know, it, does that totally deflate Los Angeles? Uh, it, you know, yeah. Chris Paul's supposed to come back. I'm just not sure how to set up this game three in Los Angeles, and we've seen the line movement kind of bounce around on either side of the fence here as well. Phoenix opened up as a one-point favorite, a lot of books at Pickham, and now a few books showing uh, a one-point favoritism for the Los Angeles Clippers as well. So, Brady, I've been in the mindset of, you know, I don't, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't play this this series at all before it started. I haven't been involved yet. 
through the two games. But I, I came into the series mindset. The market has turned so strongly in the favor of Phoenix, even without Chris Paul, that I'm on the Clippers on a game-to-game basis. I was on them in game one, got burned. They were up. They were down by four with the ball with less than five seconds left to go. They turned it over. They lose by six, right? Uh, last night, they covered that number. And I'm going to continue to play that, especially if I don't get Chris Paul on the floor in game three, give me the Clippers plus a point uh, you know, at home, maybe a little bit on the money line against them. And I even still think that the, the market might start moving uh, in the Suns' direction. But even with Chris Paul out there, if we're talking about two and a half, three, maybe in that direction of the Suns being favored on the road, uh, I still think the Clippers are going to be very live from an ATS perspective on a game-to-game basis. So I'm planning to play the Clippers in game three. John, Eastern Conference Finals game one begins tonight. It is Milwaukee and Atlanta. And I did read your write-up here, which you can get, by the way, at vcin.com, where you break down the series. And I think your ultimate pick was Milwaukee in five. And that sounds about right to me. And I know that you've played Milwaukee sweep, Milwaukee in five and whatnot in terms of the exact value, uh, Mark. But was talking about this game with Brady to start the program. Starting to see some eight and a halves in the market here on Atlanta. And I don't know. I want to get your opinion first upon this because uh, uh, I haven't bet this yet. But eight and a half just seems a little bit rich because now all the pressure's on Milwaukee because it's like now we got Philadelphia out of the way. Now we got Brooklyn out of the way. Boston never materialized this season, even though there was thought they might be a contender before the season. So now it's like all right there for us. We should be able to dispatch mm-hmm. these guys. Atlanta shouldn't have been here, but Atlanta kind of playing with a little bit of house money. Of course, Nate McMillan's done a tremendous job. He, he took over at 14 and 20 and now has this team in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I know you like Milwaukee in the series, but do you think that this number's getting a little bit high or would you still lay it with the Bucks here? Yeah, no, I, eight and a half was going to be my buy-in on Atlanta today, Wes. And they, look, even though I have this as a five-game series, I think this is going to be a pretty competitive five games because we can go through all the matchup advantages, you know, that I mentioned in that piece up on the website. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, I make clear to note, too, there are things that Atlanta can do in this series that works in their favor, specifically the way the Bucks play defense, right? That drop coverage on pick and rolls. The fact that Brooke Lopez is always going to drop into the paint to protect the rim. You know, a player like Trey Young is going to thrive against a defense like that because that soft area of the middle of the floor, I think I even put it sarcastically in the piece, he's shooting like 95% on those floaters, right? Like, that's going to be an area which Trey Young is going to have a lot of success. He's going to be able to find open shooters along the perimeter against a defense that was 29th in opponent three-point shooting throughout the regular season. Bogdan Bogdanovich is nearly a 40% three-point shooter. John Collins in the postseason has been about a 40% three-point shooter. Solomon Hill, when he's out there, you're going to see a lot of them can shoot the ball well. We know Kevin Herter can do from the distance, too. So, like, this is, I still think, on a game-to-game basis, is going to be very competitive. And especially if you're talking about giving the eight and a half here in this matchup against Atlanta, that's going to be a number that I'm buying in on because there is a game plan and a path for Atlanta to have success against this Bucks defense. To me, it just comes down to the other side of it, where you're hiding Trey Young right on P.J. Tucker and some of these defensive series. It's going to lead to a lot of offensive rebounds. It's going to lead to some post-ups and some bad stuff for Trey Young in that regard. You have the pieces, whether it's Drew Holiday to match up with Trey Young defensively, Chris Middleton, who they don't really have an answer for, but to bank that, bang that Bogdan Bogdanovich or Kevin Herter, who's going to match up with Chris Middleton. Who in the world is guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo? So I think those matchups ultimately lead to a five-game series, but I think on a night-to-night basis, these are be, there's going to be some competitive games that Milwaukee ultimately wins out on. So uh, to answer your original question, yes, like eight and a half, that's my buy price. Eight and a half up there, I'll take some eight and a half with the Atlanta Hawks. 
John, you have kind of alluded to it here that Atlanta, uh, Atlanta will have a game plan to make this a competitive series. You think these are going to be very competitive games. And Wes and I have talked about this. You look at the series price, Milwaukee minus 500, the exact same price as the Vegas Golden Knights against the Montreal Canadiens. And I think it's kind of similar where why is Montreal here? How is Atlanta here? Are we discounting the Atlanta Hawks too much? I mean, could you possibly see that game plan you talk about playing out the way it has for the Montreal Canadiens? They've dominated this series. I don't think Atlanta's going to dominate either, but boy, I think we're all kicking ourselves that we didn't take a piece of that Montreal money before that series started. Yeah, but right, and uh, I mean, obviously, I know the, the, the comparison you're making there, Brady, but with hockey being such a random sport, it, there's a strong case to be made that, right, that there shouldn't be a favorite that big in the sport of hockey, especially in the postseason, and I think when, it, when you look at this, I'll put it like this. The Atlanta Hawks just won a playoff series against the Philadelphia 76ers. They finished over those seven games to the net rating of negative 3.7. So still over the course of 100 possessions, getting outscored by nearly four points every 100 possessions. You know, I think if we all look back on that series, and if you were to ask anybody who would analyze that series, it simply put, it was more about what Philadelphia did not do as opposed to what Atlanta did. And I think that's why you see this market support for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's why you see a majority of people selecting Milwaukee to win the series. And you don't mean to discount the Atlanta Hawks, but look, they had no answers for Joel Embiid in that series. They're not going to have an answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo. 24.3 points, 64% shooting, 11 rebounds, 4.7 assists in the regular season against them. You know, right? Like there's, there's all of these different little matchups that over the course of a series, right, over the course of four or five games, 100 possessions in each game, that ultimately are going to go in the favor of Milwaukee as opposed to the Atlanta Hawks. And I think that's why there is this big gap. I don't think it shouldn't be taken as a slight for Atlanta. They're in the freaking Eastern Conference Finals. They deserve all the credit in the world. But there's so many things, little things that work in the favor of Milwaukee that ultimately add up to an implied probability of over 80% because I think eventually that is why they're such a big favor because they have so many things going for them through the box. John, we did have the NBA draft lottery last night. The Detroit Pistons get their their ping pong ball, so to speak, to come up, and they'll draft number one for the first time since 1970, and it worked out in 1970. It was Hall of Famer Bob Lanier. They drafted. Looks like they're going with Cade Cunningham, I believe, at BetMGM minus 2,000. He's going to be the number one pick. Woj put it out there. That's the only team he's going to visit or even work out for. So Cunningham going to go number one. What do you make of this Pistons team? I think that this is kind of like year one almost of a rebuild they really they sent Blake Griffin out they sent Andre Drummond out what do you make of this core adding Cade Cunningham to it so I got as we know uh, Patrick Maher who you guys are filling in for on the show uh, I got a text this morning uh, do you think your family is excited about moving to Detroit because Patrick always teases me about how much I, I like the Detroit Pistons especially their future you know I, I love Sadiq Bay in our NBA guide he was my rookie of the year selection uh, this season, and he has been a phenomenal player. But they have a lot of good young pieces, Wes, like outside of Sadiq Pay. Killian Hayes is really good. Isaiah Stewart is phenomenal in the front court. DeMonte Boy is really good, too. So, you know, ultimately, like, this is a really intriguing young core. And you add Kate Cunningham to it, it's only going to be even better. So there's a potential. Look, at the Atlanta Hawks, the rebuild was quick because they did a good job of adding in the draft and adding veterans to that mix. In two or three years, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the Detroit Pistons in the same light. A really good young core. You add the right two or three veterans to that mix, and you're talking about a team that in a conference is you know, weak on the back end, could totally make their way to an eighth season by two or three seasons from now. 
I'm anxious to hear what you think the Golden State Warriors are going to do, John, with the seventh pick and the 14th pick, but we're going to have to save that for another day. You enjoy uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks tonight, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thanks, John. That is VEASAN senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel. Check him out on Twitter at MeJVT and also his podcast, Hardwood Handicappers. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. We're going to talk a little baseball, a couple plays that Wes and I like on the Wednesday card when we return right here on the Lombardi Line. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.
Welcome back to the Lombardi Line, brought to you by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Wednesday, taking a look at the baseball card in Major League Baseball. By the way, a few games going on as we speak. The Pittsburgh Pirates are trailing the Chicago White Sox 2 to nothing. Also, the St. Louis Cardinals in action with the Detroit Tigers early on there. No score in that one. And we also have action between the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies. No score in that one in the top of the second inning. As far as a few plays you and I like today, Wes, we will start with one that you are looking at, and that is down in Los Angeles. The other team from L.A., the Angels, and what a pitching matchup we've got on the bump tonight at the Halo Stadium here between Shohei Otani and Kevin Gaussman for the San Francisco Giants, who take game one in this series on Tuesday night. The Giants continue to lead in the NL West. They're starting to make believers out of all of us, aren't they? But a good matchup here with Los Angeles as the Angels have gotten red hot all of a sudden. San Francisco, a slight road favorite here, West minus 115 with a total of eight. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it last night. The Giants actually got bet against. The Angels got the money, but the Giants got the W with the 5 nothing win down there in Anaheim. So you get Kevin Gaussman. Eight and one so far this season for Kevin Gaussman. What a comeback story for San Francisco. One of many reclamation projects really on that pitching staff. 151 ERA, but 316 on the fielding independent. So there is some room for regression. He's been getting good run support, though. And the Giants, number two in all of the National League in terms of runs per game, just less than five per game. So now they go on the road. They're very small favorites. Angels about plus 102, plus 103 in that range at home. And I do like Shohei Otani here. I know he goes only about five and a third per start, and he's the only pitcher really in Major League Baseball that plays every single day because he's usually the designated hitter spot in that Angels lineup and then pitches, of course, once a week. So it's not that he's necessarily going to go deep in the game. It's more kind of a play on perception a little bit, and sometimes you get this, Brady, especially with the day-to-day sports like MLB or like the National Hockey League or even the NBA, but MLB teams are basically playing every single day And look, the Giants got bet against last night, and then they won. So it's like, okay, we don't necessarily want to go against them again in this spot, and Gaussman's just been so good. But I like the Halos here at home. Now they fall in one game under 500, and these teams know when they're right at 500. And the sense of urgency, I think, when you fall like one game over or you're right at 500 and you want to get on that winning side of the ledger, you get a little bit of sense of urgency, even though it's on a day-to-day basis. So... I like Otani here at home. I think he at least is going to probably go five here. Kevin Gaussman, there is that regression, I think, coming. I think some of it at least comes here. Like when you look at that regression and that discrepancy with the ERA and the XFIP, you don't usually see it just in one game. You've got to see it in multiple games. So I think this will be the start of a little bit of comeback to earth for Kevin Gaussman today. That one, by the way, gets underway at 107 Pacific, 407 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon in Anaheim. Let's stick in Southern California for the Dodgers at the Padres. This is at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Trevor Bauer, Another great pitching matchup here. Trevor Bauer against Joe Musgrove. And the Padres, they went through a little bit of a skid on their last road trip, but now have put six wins in a row here at Petco Park, and they're looking for a sweep of the rival Dodgers. And some money started to show up on San Diego West. This was pretty much a pick game. But now here at BetMGM, minus 115 towards the Friars with a total of seven. Pretty low total. There are some seven and a half starting to pop up. 
Yeah, and uh, if you look, Trevor Bauer has been good this season, but he hasn't been Cincinnati good where he was last year. His walk rate's up, his home run rate is up, his strikeout rate is down a little bit, kind of struggling with that curveball, struggling with that cutter a little bit. You got a Padres team pretty average against right-handed pitching, but Joe Musgrove, even though Darvish has pitched pitch well, Snell has been very good at home, not so much on the road. Musgrove's probably been their best starter this season. 228 on the ERA and XFIP at three strikeouts per nine at 11 walks per nine at just a little bit under two. Obviously he is not really a fastball pitcher. He's more of an off speed guy, but Joe Musgrove has done very well for San Diego this year. I think San Diego still has the advantage in the bullpen here. So that's why you're seeing the Padres take the money. I like Joe Musgrove. I am on him today and I am also on the under one more real quick. I know you are taking a look at Colorado and Seattle Marquez versus Sheffield and the Colorado Rockies favored on the road, Wes. Yeah. And I'm going to go with them on the first five. I don't know if I'm going full game, but German Marquez's numbers have been better on the road this season, even though it's five and 20, worst in all of Major League Baseball. It's more of a fate of Justice Sheffield, who's on the worst run of his career so far. All of his numbers are up in terms of on the bad side, the strikeout minus walk rate. So German Marquez and the Rockies, first five innings today for me. All right. Well, the time has come to be joined by our man, Gam Blue, Lou Finicaro next with some hockey talk and also some college baseball World Series when we return right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and the Lombardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all for free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Wednesday. Time to join Lou Finicaro now, our hockey and college baseball World Series expert. You can follow him on Twitter at GamBlue and also check out his article on the UFC coming up for this weekend. That is in the latest edition of Point Spread Weekly. Good morning to you, Lou. Thank you, as always, for coming on the program. And I want to talk a little college baseball World Series first. We've got Vanderbilt and Stanford this uh, afternoon in Omaha. And this is an elimination game. Commodores were about a minus 135 favorite. I've seen a little trickle in on the Cardinal here as they are now down to a 130 favorite. Total was at 9.5, and, and that has now risen to 10. Are you doing anything with this one? I believe it's a 4 o'clock Pacific first pitch on this one, Lou. Uh, that's correct. And this is going to be a really fascinating game because Vanderbilt is without question erected and built to be able to run through the loser's bracket and compete with North Carolina State in the best of, of two uh, if they need that much Friday and Saturday in order to get to the championships. The issue with Vanderbilt is rocker and lighter. Their two ace arms are away. And so 
the choices for Vanderbilt become two freshmen uh, that, that are decent. R Riley, the freshman, seven starts with four and two record. Uh, and then uh, Christian Little, three and one, that hasn't pitched in a month. So Vanderbilt coach this morning in the newspaper, he's, he's excited to be able to use a bunch of kids on his roster that he doesn't always get to use when they come in and just bulldoze everybody. Stanford on the mean side, uh, on the other side, uh, actually, their starting pitcher today is going to be kitchen sink because they're out of pitching and they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Vandy. So we're going to have two teams that are really trying to manipulate themselves into a win. And I'll say that while Vandy's dominant with those two ace pitchers, they don't score a lot of runs. They've been able to rely on uh, getting one or two runs and lighter and rocker keeping the opponent off the board. Stanford scores a lot of runs and they can really put some pressure on Vandy if they get out tonight. But I'm going to say that Vandy is a, a worthy favorite, and I think they're the deeper team that will, in fact, move on. I would take Vandy as the short favorite. And, Lou, to what you mentioned here in terms of Stanford with the kitchen sink being the pitcher today, one thing they might not be out of, though, is hitting, though. They had 20 hits against Arizona on Monday. That's actually the most since they moved to TD, TD Ameritrade Park in 2011. This is not the old Rosenblatt Stadium where if you just kind of blew on the ball, it was going to go out of the ballpark. So Stanford with a lot of hits on Monday. But I am curious how Vandy approaches this. But I want to take more of a macro view before we get into the hockey in terms of the college world series mississippi state was getting no hit late last night and then all of a sudden a six-run barrage in the eighth inning and they take out and they take down virginia mississippi state to me lou when you look at this pitching staff and you look at their closer sims who's the best really remaining of any of these teams they look like the team to beat right now I totally agree with that statement, Wes. They, uh, it's interesting because Mississippi State years ago was the gorilla ball team that came in hitting home runs and realized real quick that this new stadium didn't work. So they've completely morphed themselves. This is their fourth straight trip or fourth straight event because there wasn't one last year. Uh, they absolutely have the look because you have to be able to pitch here. And as far as Stanford being able to hit, uh, with with uh, their opponent today, that's true. But Stanford, Arizona, those are hitting teams, and that's the pack where the pitching isn't quite right. the SEC. So if the Vandy pitchers can hold up uh, against those Stanford hitters, that's the cat and mouse, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. All right, Lou, let's shift over to the ice. I'll let Wes set you up on game six tonight in Long Island between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I want to go back and look at game five right here in Las Vegas. And Wes and I talked uh, about this earlier in the program. Really, since Vegas won game one, this series has been dominated by the Montreal Canadiens. You almost nailed the under last night. Just an empty netter that gave you a push on that one. You were spot on on how that game was going to play out. I find it a little bit interesting that in game six on the road in Montreal, Vegas is a favorite in the neighborhood of minus 140, yet the Canadians are a pretty big favorite to now win this series for the first time. They have moved to about minus 190 to win this best of seven. What are your thoughts going back to the Bell Center on Thursday night for the Canadians and the Vegas Golden Knights? 
I would keep it simple. I don't have any futures or real series bets here, so it's going to be easy for me. I'm going to play the Canadians as a dog two straight games, and I'm going to win one or two of them, and I really believe that. I, I think that right now what's happening with Vegas is we're seeing the effect of the Colorado series now. They had three and a half days of rest before they went into this series after Colorado. What did Montreal have? A full seven. I think that we saw a sluggish uh, Vegas team. Will they be able to shake that in, color, in uh, up in uh, Montreal? I'm not sure. But what I can say is that Montreal's in a very, very advantageous position. And from the eye test, I believe in them. And so I would start by taking Montreal as the dog in game six. And if they don't win that one, coming right back with them in game seven. Lou got about 60 seconds left. I want to talk about game six between Tampa Bay and the Islanders last night. We had our buddy Randy McKay here in studio during the My Guys program yesterday. And he had a quote that stuck with me, quote unquote, fear creates value. And what we saw, Tampa Bay, obviously boat racing the Islanders eight to nothing previously. Now game six, starting to see a little bit money on the New York Islanders. Still some 135 out there. Has the fear created enough value for you on the Islanders side? There's nothing that can get me to bet the Islanders. Every statistic that you look at is Tampa Bay. 2.13 goals against against 2.96 with the Islanders. The Islanders simply don't match up. If you look at the last, the, the four games previous to eight to nothing, there were 17 goals scored in those four games. So they're averaging four goals, 4.25 goals a game. I like my under from yesterday, and it's absolutely Tampa Bay. But wait and let that line go down a little further. Tampa's too much for this team. All right, my friend. Great to talk to you as always. Enjoy the game tonight and also the baseball game coming up later this afternoon. We'll talk to you soon, Lou. Take care, my friend. Wes, thanks uh, for having me on YouTube, Brady. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, All Lou. Right. That is Lou Finnecaro. We get to the NBA playoff prop market next. We've had some success in this market, Wes. See if we can find a couple other gems here as we wrap up the program before we get ready to throw it to Circa and those two nuts down there, Mike and Amal. We'll be right back. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Try One Game Parlay at BetMGM. One Game Parlay is an exciting feature designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types. You can make One Game Parlay bets on the Stanley Cup playoffs, baseball, and your favorite soccer leagues. Log into your BetMGM account and create the parlay of your dreams. Or sign up today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600 with the bonus code VSIN600. It's a new customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Tennessee, 800-889-9789. And the promotional offer is not available in Nevada. It's time to get to one of our favorite parts of the show here, the NBA playoff market. But before we do that, update some baseball scores for you. It's tied at two apiece in Pittsburgh between the Chicago White Sox and the Pittsburgh Pirates at PNC Park. They are currently in the bottom of the third inning. Again, tied at two apiece. Also, the St. Louis Cardinals out to a one nothing lead over the Detroit Tigers. This one now in the, I can't tell what inning that third is. Inning. Where is that? Yep. There it is. The top of the third and the Cardinals got base runners moving around the bases. Looks like they have a guy sliding into third there, uh, possibly a leadoff triple there. Not a leadoff triple. One down, man on third, and a one nothing lead for the St. Louis Cardinals over the Detroit Tigers early in that ball game and early in the game between the Washington Nationals and the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies out in front, three to nothing. That ball game in the top of the third and a Euro European Championship, the Euro 2020 update for us, Wes, between Sweden and Poland. Yeah. Group- 
Group E getting it started here this morning, and I'll start with the blowout match first. Spain beating up on Slovakia, kind of like John Rahm did to the field at the Memorial before he withdrew. So another Spanish beatdown here, five to nothing over Slovakia. Spain absolutely needed to get three points here, and it looks like Spain at least is going to win the group because of the goal differential here, five to nothing. So they would be the number one seed out of Group E over Slovakia. Meanwhile, 88th minute, Sweden and Poland. Poland has had the equalizer from Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. And now you have a 2-2 tie with Sweden and Poland. Poland needs the three points if they have any chance to advance out of the group. So they need a win here. Sweden is just fine sitting right here at 2-2 two to two and getting one point for the draw because that would give them five points. That would automatically advance them to the knockout phase, even though Spain, because of the goal differential, would get that number one seed out of this group. And then here in about an hour and a half or a little less than an hour and a half, we're going to have Group F. We're going to have the final matches of that pool. Portugal against France and Germany against Hungary, where that group stands right now. France with four points. Germany and Portugal each with three. Hungary bringing up the rear with one point. So Group F has been dubbed as the group of death here in Euro 2020. And right now you're seeing the Germans basically as big favorites over Hungary at BetMGM, minus $6 on Germany. France and Portugal, a little bit more narrative, or a little bit more narrow, I should say. France was a dollar forty-three plus side. Now they're about a dollar ten here at BetMGM. So Cristiano Ronaldo and the Portuguese getting bet against against France this morning. All right, it is Game One, the Eastern Conference Finals, five thirty Pacific time this evening, eight thirty p.m. Eastern for your tip. It'll be the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Atlanta Hawks in Milwaukee, and the most up-to-date current line on the game is the Bucks are back to eight-point favorites. They opened as eight-point favorites. It got bet down to seven now back up to eight even some eight and a halfs in the market but the consensus number pretty widespread is eight in favor of milwaukee your total consensus number is 226 here at BetMGM, a tick lower at 225 and a half but let's get into that prop market wes and one that uh, sprung out to me on the Atlanta side is Trey Young. And again, to explain to people, they have a market here where you can bet on points, rebounds, assists, or three-pointers made. They post a number. You can go under or over that number. And I didn't go to the points, rebound or, uh, rebounds, or assists, but I did go to the three-pointers made by Trey Young. And that's really been something that has hindered the Milwaukee Bucks for a few seasons now in the postseason. We have seen their inability to defend the three-pointers. So two and a half three pointers for three uh, for Trey Young. I'm going to go over that one, Wes. Yeah, I could certainly see that, and especially what we were saying if Bogdanovich does not go and if Cam Reddish. Bogdanovich, the more important rotation player at this point than Cam Reddish, and Bogdanovich, I think, has been a solid defender, and they're going to need him to kind of switch off on Middleton and Holiday. So that would be at least a little bit of a bigger loss. But from a side perspective, eight and a half, I'm with John Von Tobel here. I'm going to take Atlanta at eight and a half. I just think that that's a buy price. But when I was looking at the problem, here look you start from the stars and then kind of work your way downwards that the star prices obviously are the ones that are going to have the most liquidity and the most action in the market so you're always going to get taxed on them a little bit I was looking at Giannis on that side 24.3 average this season 11 rebounds 4.7 assists 64 percent from the floor 
Atlanta really doesn't have an answer for him because Clint Capella was the primary defender. You kind of saw that with Embiid in the Philadelphia series. Unless Embiid just goes cold from the floor, he's going to get what he wants. And you got to think Giannis is going to get what he wants. But is Giannis going to be one of those guys that's like, okay, I hit a three and I'm going to stay outside the line here. And that's not a good thing. Even though he's not a good foul shooter, he needs to get down low, play more of that center position, let Brooke Lopez kind of step out and shoot those threes. Well, exactly like you talk about, the stars are going to be taxed. And I thought that number looked pretty high as far as Giannis's point total, 33 and a half. Mm-hmm. My initial reaction would be under. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you, though, and I think, uh, you know, this is fairly obvious. Not maybe not for the casual better, but certainly you pay a premium for the stars, especially in this type of betting market. But do you think there is maybe more of a premium on the points? If you go further down into the derivatives, the rebounds, the assists, the three pointers, it would seem to me that probably the toughest one to beat is the points that that's probably mm-hmm. the the tightest number the odds makers can make. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I've really been playing DeAndre Ayton on the Phoenix side, the points and rebounds combined, because there were some times you saw in that Denver series where he would come close, if not clear that prop, but it wasn't always the points. He might only have 10 or 12 points, but he'd have 14 or 16 rebounds. So that's why I play it combined, especially when you got a guy that they don't run a lot of stuff for. Like Phoenix didn't really run a lot of stuff for DeAndre Ayton. They're doing a little bit more because the matchup is different with they the won, Clippers. They ran one big play for him. Yeah, yeah. The one at the end, obviously, is something that they do run for him. But throughout the duration of the game, they don't really run like a lot of necessarily a lot of sets for him. So that's why I sometimes like to be playing those points and rebounds or points and assists combined instead of maybe just going to the points because the points are going to draw the action. And before I get back to that in extra time here, 93rd minute, five minutes of stoppage time, Sweden, Victor Clayson gets the goal here in the fourth minute of stoppage time. So now three, two, so Sweden going to get all three points. It looks like in this one. So Spain will be the two spot out of group up at, or Group E, rather than Sweden, will be the one spot. That game was tied in the 85th minute is when they tied it up. And now, just nine minutes later, the uh, tiebreaker there for Sweden to take that one to 3-2. to two. Uh, So we mentioned Antetokounmpo under on the point total there. I took a look at Trey Young over on the three-pointers made. Any other uh, things in the prop market there that stick out to you at all? Well, it might be a little bit of a risk considering Atlanta is going to be shorthanded. But who's the guy that had what they call the podium game? the one that gets the interview in the post-game press conference, who's the guy who had that big game seven? It was one Kevin Herter, who I thought was the absolute key to winning that game. We know Trey Young really struggled from the field. Kevin Herter well beyond his average, not only offensively, but I thought really did a good job on Seth Curry in, in that series and really kind of kept him at bay and was all over him. So Kevin Herter had an absolute monster game last time out. So when a guy has a monster game, we kind of saw that a little bit with Terrence Mann. And Devin Booker, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it, it affects the stars as well, but especially the role players because Terrence Mann had 39 against the Jazz and then barely squeaked over double digits in game one against the Phoenix Suns. So this is where you maybe could see the regression. It's a little bit more of a danger zone spot just because in case you don't have Bogdanovich off the floor. So I might be waiting before I necessarily jump in on Kevin Herter, but 27 points is what he had in game seven on the road. And now you're seeing 13 and a half. You're like, oh, this is easy money. 
kind of rubbing <laughs> your hands together, but I don't think so. I would be looking to go to the under, especially if one or both of Bogdanovich and Cam Reddish are cleared to go tonight. Yep, I, I like the sound of that. All right, uh, just about a minute left here. Let me get your thoughts, uh, and we touched on this with Lou Finicaro. I thought he made a great point there. Bet the Canadians is an underdog in both games. If they get that far, you cash one of them and you profit. I find it interesting that VGK is a favorite on the road. Uh, Montreal has finally become a favorite here in the series to win the best of seven. That makes sense. What are your thoughts there, though? And it looks like uh, we've actually seen a little bit of money on Vegas, up to minus 140 for game six on Thursday night at the Bell Center. Right, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do on the side, but one of the things I think you often see in elimination games is you often see a proclivity to go to the under. Mm -hmm. And this is only an elimination game for one team, that being the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, I would actually be looking maybe to go to the over in, in this game here. I don't know what to do with the side because... Honestly, it's very discouraging what we've seen out of the Vegas Golden Knights. They've been outplayed by the Habs recently, or really throughout most of the series, if you take game one out of the equation. So I didn't really know where to go at the side, but over five at like minus $1.27 is where I'm seeing kind of at far away places. Basically, the market average is minus 130, and that's the price here at BetMGM. I would be more inclined to go to the over. We don't necessarily know who the game six goaltender is going to be. I thought Robin Leonard did a good job in game four. Pete DeBoer elected not to go back to him. Chandler Stevenson, if they can kind of get him back, obviously helps that first line in terms of a center man perspective. So nothing on the side, but initial first glance, I like the over five tomorrow. And Stevenson, you mentioned he might be better in game two because last night was his first game back. Mm -hmm. He looked a little bit rusty, made a mistake early on. And he's not a big scorer, but he's, he's very much a key on that first line as a center man. A facilitator, right? Well, we are going to pass the baton down to the gentleman at the Circa Resort and Casino. It's time for the nuts. Mike Palm and Amal Shah next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.